another episode Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas. Uh, once again, Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas, and uh, today we're joined by the uh, the legendary mm. Mr. Brian Tatler from Thank you very Diamond much. Head. That's nice uh, to be called legendary, isn't it? Oh, hell yeah. Well, well you I are legendary, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> I don't get, my wife doesn't call me legendary. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so we're here uh, behind the vinyl. We're going to do your debut album. Okay, yeah. why not? Yeah, absolutely, which is um, coming up now to an anniversary next year. Yeah, 40th anniversary. It was recorded in uh, 1980. Yeah. It was all recorded and mixed in a week. In a so week. A productive week, that was. Yeah, very much very so. Very productive week. Yeah. yeah. Um, 1980 was a good year for, for albums. It was. Yeah, yeah. Back we, in black. Back in Black was 1980. Oh, yeah. um, Ace of Spades yes. was yeah. 1980. I always think of, because since I was a, I'm a huge Kiss fan, so you always kind of compare uh, different times and different years. So 1980, Kiss released Unmasked. And right. then you have you guys uh, yeah, yeah. releasing Lightning to the Nation with heavy-duty riffs like in Am I Evil and stuff yeah. like that. And they were into the whole disco thing. Just shows oh, how, okay. how different, different it was back was, then. Was uh, Moving Pictures 1980? Oh, was it? Probably was, yeah. yeah. Could have been, yeah. yeah. That's one of my favourite albums. Oh, oh right. Really? Yeah. Okay. Love that album. All right. Nice. Funny you talked about Kiss there. Is that the divide between the, um, you know, the, the America and, and Europe or the UK? The fact that the music genre was was so different. Around. Yeah, I, I think also, I mean, at, at, at that time, I think the whole disco thing uh-huh. was on in in the US and I think over in like in Britain and you had punk back in 77 yeah. and, and, and probably around that time as well and I think disco wasn't I mean it, it was uh, probably big over in Europe as well but not as massive as right. it was over in the States with yeah, Saturday probably. Night Fever and all that later on and so on so yeah there was a lot of other styles in Britain that kept yeah. popping up like we had a, a, a scars oh yeah exactly yeah. yeah romantics thing yeah. with with, uh, with um, Spandau Ballet oh yeah, yeah absolutely it was oh, all yeah. around early 80s yeah. Yeah. yeah and also I mean British punk was yeah. way more heavier and rowdier than yeah, American, American punk, punk. they yeah, had like absolutely. the Ramones which today sounds like a pop band music it, it was yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah it yeah. was it yeah. was then you had the exploited and stuff like that which was really heavy yeah yeah so, so quite different I like punk Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really like punk. Yeah. In Britain, of course, we had John Peel, the DJ on Radio One. Of course. At ten to twelve, every night, and uh, he'd play punk. You know, right off the bat, he was yeah. playing punk, and you could you could tune in and, and hear the latest singles, like you know Chelsea or stuff that you know, I wouldn't have come across otherwise. No. And uh, I, I taped them on my cassette player, and because I really liked it, I thought there was some energy in it. I was, I think, I was after. The, uh, the the vibe, the buzz, the energy. Yeah. You know, I, w- I was a rock fan. I wasn't, I wasn't going to put safety pins in my nose and spray my hair pink. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really liked the, the, there was a vibe yeah. to it that, that appealed. Well, that's another thing as well. And, and, and uh, um, you mentioned a tape recorder and recording mm-hmm. stuff off on the cassette, radio yeah, to, onto off, a cassette tape, off, yeah. and which, you know, uh, took something. That was an effort as well 
to really i remember doing it as well yeah. with you had like heavy metal shows in the mid 80s in sweden you either you recorded the whole show or you just waited for separate songs yeah. and and you clicked record and stuff yeah. and it, it wasn't it, um, i mean that now you've got rock radio and yeah. things haven't you and there was nothing then no you'd be lucky to have a two-hour slot right per week and so you'd have to tune in. Yeah. The first time I heard Def Leppard was on uh, the uh, the Friday Rock Show or the right you know, something like that, Tommy right. Vance kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and it was great to hear it. Like there's a new band out there. It was right about our age. I'd probably read something about them, but to hear their EP we played and think, oh, you know, it's like it's, we're a bit like that. <laughs> you know, not a million miles away from what we're doing. Yeah, it was cool. So, so anyone doesn't know who Tommy Vance is or, or John Peel. Yeah. John, John Peel was like on, on Radio 1 over there. Yeah, and for he, years. Exactly, to up until maybe 10 years ago or so. Well, he, di- he died, didn't he? Yeah. And, and that was your lot. But, but he was he was a pioneer. Yeah. He discovered so many bands. He was so, so brave in playing new material. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and I heard rumours after he, when he, um, not that... Radio One were glad he died by any stretch. Of <laughs> I hope not. But when when he did die, they basically said they'll never, we'll never let anyone else be like him. Yeah, there was right. no oh, replacement. Okay. Yeah, Nobody no took over his show, and, and they wouldn't let anyone have as much right. musical but freedom as he. Everybody as sent right. all the new stuff to John Peel. Yeah, little tiny bands on indie labels. Everything went to John, and they said when he died, there was thousands of records that he hadn't had chance to listen to yet. Yeah, just stacked up. And huh. then there was Tommy Vance, who was kind of like the rock pioneer, who had yeah. the rock shows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was great. Who played your music first? Uh, uh, Tommy Vance. I mean, we played in the Midlands first on like little local WM and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I think Tommy Vance probably, yeah. He okay. probably played the album, Lightning to the Nations, uh, when it came out in early 1980. I'm great. sure he played a, a track or two. He might have played Am I Evil. I can't remember, quite remember. Well, that must have been a oh, killer feeling hear you, hear to... yourself on the radio. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Bef- before we get into that, let's play a bit of music. Um, here is The Prince.
remember about that song? Uh, I remember it's quite fast. It, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it starts with a big, long guitar solo. Yeah. And we thought that was quite uh, something. Because most songs have to get on with the vocal, get the vocal and get the chorus in. Yeah, but you've got a couple of songs that... Yeah. that you've got a couple of songs on this album that start yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big, big long intro. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. right. Yeah. Oh, I think we were just fearless... Uh, confident yeah. we just thought we could do anything we liked uh, n- nobody was going to come along and say no you can't do that they won't play that on the radio it's too long it's seven minutes long i mean it's sucking my love it's nine and a half minutes yeah, long. yeah exactly. we didn't give them monkeys yeah. we just thought <laughs> we're fantastic you know we're like, if we want a big two minute solo we'll have a big two minute solo <laughs> uh so I, I i don't know i mean it's a it's a nice riff it's a nice it's a nice arrangement. I don't know. Some of them songs, I'm, I'm a little bit vague on. Uh, I don't know how they happened, you know. And I, it was very difficult to repeat the, right. you know, the magic uh, yeah, yeah. that that was on that first album, you know. we. Uh, move, I mean, jumping forward a bit, but, uh, you know, we couldn't even get a record deal for that album. Yeah, I, I remember that you... you you did get offered one, didn't you? I think, yeah, I think we were offered maybe a couple of single deals and right. stuff like that. And they kind of, they want to do a couple of singles. And if they're hits, yeah, we'll do an album yeah. kind of thing. I think they were a bit shocked that we'd done our own album and we'd recorded it ourselves and uh, presented it to the label, you know. And therefore they had no control. Yeah, so I, I don't think they was, they were able to just go, oh, no, 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 we don't do that now. so it was a funny how'd you do I mean I wasn't there Um, we had a manager but he didn't really know what he was doing I don't think he was an amateur manager learning on the job not really a music biz guy so I often think he may have had unrealistic expectations of of what he was able to achieve for Diamond Head. Perhaps he'd read that, you know, Led Zeppelin signed for 200,000 to Atlantic, you know. (laughs) So perhaps right, you know. (laughs) But uh, there's a reason why Led Zeppelin signed for $200,000. But also going into the studio, as I said, you you, you did this in a week. So you had... All the songs ready when you went into oh, the yeah. studio. Yeah, we'd played them all live. Yeah, yeah, everything was ready. We'd been going four years. This this point, we'd written a hundred songs right. by the time we went in to record Lightning. Right. So we so were this just was doing the, pick the of hundred songs. Oh, yeah, we, we were just doing the seven best songs. Really, we'd whittled them down. You know, we'd got rid of loads and loads because they weren't very good at first. You, you know, we did far more writing than we did. Uh, recording or um, gigs uh, like the first year we didn't do any gigs the second year we did one gig the third year I think we did three gigs that kind of thing right. so we all we were focusing on was writing even if it was just straight onto a cassette yeah. and I think we got good at that we got self-analytical listen to the tape is it good is that bit going to work change that bit uh, and so by the time we co- we came to uh, record Light to the Nations, as I say, we'd played the songs live mm. and uh, we demoed them. There were, we knew that was our best material. And yep. we just, uh, we'd got a couple of others. We got to Heaven from Hell. We'd got a version of To the Devil is Due. We'd got some others ready to go, Dead Retin' In. But we picked those seven 
and then uh, recorded them in a week, flat, unmixed. Right. Thank God.
whole new wave of British heavy metal thing. Um, you guys are, uh, uh, you know, one of the forerunners mm. of that. Um, did you did you feel that happening? Because yeah. there's a lot of a lot of a lot of scenes kind of happen, and yeah. they, they actually it, well, don't feel it when you're emerging. Right. Uh, well, you? of course, we were just lucky to be the right age, ready to go. You know, got we'd got the band go bang on. We'd, we'd done some gigs. We looked good. Uh, we were perfectly timed to get our foot in the door there and then suddenly in sounds in maybe the summer of 79 i can't remember exactly there's a big feature on def leppard there's a big feature on samson and and angel witch and maiden playing at this gig in london called the barrel no the the townhouse or something i can't i forget but uh we were fascinated by all this. I'd buy sounds every week anyway. And so suddenly, here's some young bands our age doing the same sort of thing. And it was, ooh. And it was called the New Wave of British Heavy Metal. And I thought, it's perfect for us. This will give us some uh, press, some attention. And we may get a record deal. Because I didn't know how else you're going to get a record deal. And then suddenly I thought, well, the press are going to come along and uh, look at all these bands. And so... You know, we we uh, we got a big we got a gig supporting Iron Maiden at the Lyceum. I think it was Maiden praying Mantis Diamond Head, and Jeff Barton came, reviewed the gig, did a massive piece in sounds, whole page piece, and uh, so that was a brilliant introduction to the labels and to anybody really. Ears Diamond Head, bang, and uh, that was a, that was about January eight, nineteen eighty. So. It was a, it was good timing, and I just thought it was a brilliant movement. You know, I'd listen to some of the other bands, and uh, realise that they're all over the country, yeah. and we we had no knowledge of them <laughs> until Sounds coined the phrase Alan Lewis and uh, Jeff Barton. Yeah, it was uh, Alan Lewis now a record collector, and Jeff Barton now at at uh, Classic Rock magazine. Right. Yeah, yeah, who 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 coined that phrase? Yeah. yeah. Um, have you crossed paths with with Jeff? Yeah, lately? of course. Like, like on the new record, not for a while. No, right. Okay. No, not for a while. He has done pieces on Diamond Head, right. uh, but Very no. Nice guy. I haven't. I haven't yeah. spoke to him about Coffin Train. Oh, you haven't. Okay. Mm. Oh, Hopefully, he likes it. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. He's a big Kiss fan, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let, let's play another song. Um, this is a, a wee little number called "Am I Evil." <laughs>
So, um, first song on uh, on the second side of the record, "Am I Evil?" Um, possibly the 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 biggest song for you guys. Uh, yeah. Definitely song you guys you guys end the set in these days. Yep. Um, and of course, uh, Metallica picked it up. Um, we we can't talk about this record because there's which is actually quite ridiculous. There's four songs from this record mm-hmm. that. Um, there's, there's five songs yeah. there's five songs from this record <laughs> that Metallica have covered yeah and, and and that now Metallica obviously let's go right back to the beginning pre-Metallica um, the legendary stories of, of Lars coming on the yeah. on tour with you guys that was in 1981 right, yeah, yeah came over uh, in around July June July 81 and uh, in, he'd already bought the album Mail Order uh, in, in, when he was living in LA and I think he'd written back to the fan club uh, so we knew oh we've got a fan in America somebody's bought the album in America it's a big deal <laughs> uh, and then he came over w- and was he like the only fan like he was he stood out as being like a, one of the early fans yeah the- because he was in America yeah. I mean we got we got some loyal fans of course and, but they were UK yeah because yeah. we'd never played Europe or America or anything by then and uh so suddenly, as we were selling the album Mail Order, we, we hadn't got a record deal, don't forget. Yep. Then uh, we had a fan in America. This guy called Lars Ulrichs bought the album. And he turns out to be a tiny Danish man. Yeah, yeah, yes. Danish guy. <laughs> and uh, who knew? Yeah. If only we'd known. Uh, um, but uh, we, uh, we thought that's great. And he came to this gig and we said hello and all that. And he, uh, he stayed with me. At my house, well, my mom and dad's house, you know, in right. my bedroom, and uh, he, he stayed at Sean's as well. I think he spent a month at Sean's, sleeping on the couch and raiding the fridge. How does that come about? Yeah, like, like I can't see that happening today <laughs> no, anywhere. Maybe not. <laughs> and, and, and it's a very, um, I don't want to say romantic is not the word, but it's a very like Hollywood kind yeah, of. It's charming. He he comes over and he's now obviously. In regards, like he's just said, a fan, isn't he? he he's just he's a not fan. a drummer or a no. musician. Yeah, but it's just very innocent. It's yeah, very it's innocent. innocent. Yeah. And, you, and you guys were very welcoming. We, we took to him because yeah. he was nice. He was super enthusiastic. Yeah. We just thought he was a fun guy to have around, you know, and uber fan. Yeah. So I couldn't. What could you do? You got to be <laughs> nice to the guy. We were always like that to our fans. We'd have them backstage and go out and sign everything and we all we were really good with the fans so we just accepted Lars as the American or the Danish guy you know yeah. <laughs> who got this weird accent uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's great so he, he appreciated that and then of course he went back to the States formed Metallica and he, he stayed in touch via pen pal you know yeah. write letters yep. no emails of course in them days yeah. and uh he wrote in one letter, uh, I formed a band, it's called Metallica. We rehearse six nights a week. And I thought, bloody hell, <laughs> oh, we don't rehearse six nights a week. He's keen, isn't he? Yeah. Wow. And, but I didn't think, oh my God, you know, they're going to be the biggest metal band of all time. Right. <laughs> I just thought, oh, that's nice. Lars has formed a band. Yeah. Were, were you aware that um, he was playing Diamond Head songs? Not at first. Not at first. Yeah. No. I, um <laughs> I think it, it filtered through. Somebody on our crew had seen them in, in the US playing the whiskey or somewhere. And he said they'd played like five or six Diamond songs in yeah. the set. And I thought, oh, I don't know. 
But uh, again, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. It's up to them, isn't it? They want to play some covers. Because they were a bit covers band almost at first. Oh, yeah. They did Sweet Savage exactly. and Creek. Exactly, exactly. And they did one or two of their own, didn't they? They'd do Metal Militia and... Hit the Lights. Yep. Hit the Lights. Yeah, hit the lights. Maybe Jump in the Fire or something. Mechanics, Phantom Lord. Exactly. But, I don't, and, I, and I don't think they... I don't think they pretended to be the Diamond Head songs were, were their songs, but I definitely don't think they... They didn't say, there's a Diamond Head song. Exactly. They did a song on the Prince. Yeah. The illusion was that yeah. they had more songs. That, you know? Or they'd written these songs. E- exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then, of course, they covered Am I Evil, didn't they, in 84? Yep. On uh, the Creeping Death 12-inch single. And so that was flattering, you know. But that stage... That's the f- first time a band had ever covered a Diamond Head song. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so by that stage, it was a big deal. You know, uh, they were a rising force. It was, still wasn't a big deal to me. Because I'm still in Diamond Head, aren't yep. I? Yep. And, and they're on Music for Nations. Gotcha. Yep. So it didn't, you know... So it didn't really... I didn't think, oh, you know, uh-huh. wow. I just thought, that's nice. <laughs>
on the, on the, the, the song? The first show they played, Radio City, Anaheim, Metallica. They played um, <laughs> Helpless, Sucking My Love, Am I Evil, <laughs> The Prince. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's crazy. And that's the first show. Far. First song. Yeah. yeah. And I believe there were about 50 people in the audience when they played. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's 50% of this record. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. It's even more than 50% because you yeah. had seven songs. You yeah. Know, that was, that's four wow. songs. It's crazy. Um, it, it, can we keep going with this Metallica thread a little bit longer? Yep. <laughs> um, so they so they did that. They released that. They then went on to release... Um, Garage Days Re-Revisited mm-hmm. um, after Cliff Burton died um, which by that stage they were coming up to be you know definitely the lead lead runner yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you guys were were we'd finished by then yeah you disbanded by then yep. um, as we went down <laughs> they went off yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely um, did you did you find a, an increase in interest of in you guys after um, that directly not directly by around 1990 uh, with the with the success of yeah justice the, for all and, and it, the black record it just seemed to be going up and up and up and uh, they were name checking diamond Head in every interview hundreds yeah. and hundreds of interviews and they would talk about diamond Head as being their main influence things like that and it, it just started to get a bit silly really that covered three diamond Head songs and uh, the word was you should reform diamond Head, you know make the most of of that because yeah. people wanted to see the band and uh, I I did a a solo band and so did Sean yep. and the, the sort of general vibe was you should reform Diamond Head so what did what do you think we did? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely well I think that the online factor is these songs are amazing yeah you know? they are yeah, yeah. it's and a killer st- album they still sound good I mean, they sounded good tonight. They sounded yeah. amazing tonight. Forty man. years on. Yeah, Absolutely and as I t- also as I told you before this, that that like just just a riff in "Am I Evil" and thinking that was 1980 and it was really heavy, yep. yeah, compared to a lot, lot of other stuff. And yeah. and just listening to it tonight, yeah, it's it's so heavy. Yeah, it's really really heavy, aggressive, and and it's evil. Su- yeah, it's such a great time. riff. Yes. Such a it great riff. Yeah, it hasn't dated badly. No. Like no. you know, we think well, it's a, it's a nostalgia act. It's of its time. It's still got loads of power and yeah. energy. It's great. So I'm very proud of that song. But also, I mean, how how did that? Do you remember that? Because that song also starts out with with a solo with thing and so on. Intro. Yeah. How, how did that come about? I think it just built. I, I came up with the main riff. Right. We worked on that. We we managed to get a first bridge chorus effect but and the riff is the same all the way through yeah. it never moves and then um i i don't know i think we added the fast section then one day i i came up with the idea for the intro which is based on the, like the mars the planets thing i don't know about the diddly 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 i don't know it just popped in my head <laughs> you've got to be confident to throw yeah. something like that in. yeah, yeah you i really mean do. You i really wouldn't do it now no but I, at the time, I probably just thought, I well, love that. I think that that's the beauty and the, of the end, going back into the yeah. riff at the yeah. end, yeah. Yeah. and and the the key changes under the solo. It built and built. It took I, it took well over a year to write that song. Yeah, and we just built on it and evolved it, and until until we went in the studio, and then it becomes the definitive arrangement. Yeah, but right. we, you know, especially Sean and I would tweak and tweak and tweak. 
And very often Sean's lyric wouldn't be done until he's in he's got the mic in front of him. Right. Gavin Byron, he'd be crossing out bits and right. and that then the lyric is fixed. But he would have changed it fifty times yeah. beforehand. It's kind of where where um a little bit of naivety works in yes. your favour. Yes. You know, you, you, you confidence of youth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But also like like tonight you did um you did some tapping there. Yeah. Is it tapping on, on the original version as well? That uh, uh, the the diddly diddly yeah. is a pull off. Yeah. But the solo is tapping. Right, yeah. Which, of course, I got from Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we all did. Yeah. But then again, he got it from probably Steve Hackett. You know, Steve Hackett was tapping in 72. Genesis yeah. Steve Hackett. Yeah, yeah. oh, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. You know, the Return of the Giant Hogweed is tapping. Yeah. Right, right, right. But Eddie took it into another dimension. Yeah. You know. Let's let's play a quick tune. Uh, this is um, another great great song. Uh, it's electric. Um, we'll come back after that.
So let's, let's dig a little bit into your guitar playing. Uh, when did you start and where, where, did, uh, where did the influence come from? Um, I started around 75. Uh, I'll be 14, 15. My older brother, six years older than me, David, mm-hmm. played guitar in a band. Uh, so I'd go and watch him occasionally. And they'd come and rehearse in, in my mum and dad's. Uh, set up the gear and I would always be, always be fascinated by the gear uh, the amps, drums and things like that I had a little go on the drums I had a little go on the bass and eventually I thought I'll, I'll do the guitar so he I remember he bought a Gibson SG and so then his old guitar which had cost about 14 quid a second hand thing it was I, I was able to use he'd leave it lying around and I'd have a go and he'd, I'd ask him show me a chord show me a riff you know he probably showed me how to play smoke on the water or something yeah. and uh, so he, he wanted to get me apparently uh, learning the guitar when I was younger but I'd give up I'd go it's too hard I can't be bothered I want to ride my bike and moan about it and stuff and then I think I must have had a, a moment an epiphany if you like where possibly Richie Blackmore uh, playing Highway Star and I thought you know I'd like to be able to play that that's that's brilliant so if I'm going to get good I'm going to have to practice I'm going to have to practice every day and it just suited me that Right, I'm gonna, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to focus. I'm not going to buy a motorbike. I don't like fishing, you know. I'm not at the age where I know what I'm doing with girls. So <laughs> let's let's play the guitar. And I just stopped in and practiced, and probably practiced every day. Yeah. Try and get good. Try and get like Richie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or Paul Kossoff, or you know Brian Robertson, one of the great guitar players. You remember the first song you ever wrote? Ish. We had some early dirges that were like one finger on on one string. But I I always had Sean as well. So that was good. It was me and Dunk formed the band. I came at the name Diamond Head, me and Dunk the drummer. But we we soon realised we needed a singer. And we just roped in Sean, who was a school friend. And he could sing. It was great. So Sean and I would be writing straight away. I mean, we couldn't play covers. We didn't know how to play a cover. So we'd just write it something right. and tape it. And we had these awful songs. There was one called, I'm sure there's one called Black Ship Sailing. <laughs> there you go. There's a, there's a first. And we had, you know, Going East, I don't know. And they were pretty bad. Right. But we got good. Yeah. And we wrote It's Electric. And then we wrote probably Wild on the Streets, which didn't come out till Death and Progress. Right. That was an early song. It was about 78. Right. And we just got good. Cool. Nice. Love it. Um, let's just go go back one more time. 40th anniversary coming up. Yeah. Um, any plans? Any plans you can tell us about? For next year. For next yeah, year. N- nothing's in stone. We've, got, we've already got some festivals going. They're on the website. We've been confirmed to do Bloodstock again which is, I think, their 20th anniversary or something like that. All right. right. Possibly. Um, Judas Priest headlining there. So we've got five dates with Saxon next year. Okay, great. Which Uh, you were going to play these days, like before Biff Biff fell ill. Um, And they all got rescheduled for 2020. So we're doing those. (laughs) Which is? Dusseldorf. Okay. 
uh, Hammersmith, Odeon, London, yeah. and Manchester. Which right. is the anniversary for, um, um, like, the 40th anniversary for Saxon as it well. It is. Yeah. For e- yeah. The Eagle has landed. The, the yeah. Eagle has landed, uh-huh. which is quite... Which is quite nice. Big yeah. deal. The yeah. Eagle has landed. And, 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 and then we'll have ours next year with, with Lightning to the Nations. Absolutely. So we'll do some shows where we play the whole album and, and make a deal of it. No, no, no plans for a re-release of the album or anything like that? There's been re-releases, but... Yeah, there, I think um, it's difficult to explain, but the licensing deal is in place and the album came out last in like 2011 yeah so therefore unless they just decide to re-release it right at the moment universal have got it for on a 10-year lease oh, so okay. that doesn't run out till 2021 right so they may do a re-promotion uh, right no no yeah. it's a couple of things i'd like to do but we're working on a few ideas for next year right um we'd like to get back over to the states as well we haven't been since 2017 I think. oh okay All right yeah 17 so we need to get back over there that's that's quite a while yeah mm-hmm. you yeah. know with with the new album coming don't forget out about us won't they yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely yep so, excellent well we're going to lead out with uh with helpless Oof. Um, again another great song yeah, um, yeah. absolutely thank you for your time Thank you. Uh, thanks, great. For, thanks for spilling the beans a little bit. <laughs> Spill the beans. <laughs> and um, and great to have you here in Sweden. Yeah. yeah. Really great to have you over here it's playing nice, in Sweden. It's nice. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. I've only been a few times. I mean, we've done Sweden Rock twice. Yes. Yeah. Yep. We came here with Megadeth 2005. Yep. And, uh, right. I did that press day with press you. Press day over here. Yourself. Yeah. And now tonight, Stockholm. And we, we're in with Malmo last night. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And I think Gothenburg, but Gothenburg tomorrow. Yeah, Correct. absolutely. So, rock and roll. So great, love it. Cool. Excellent, mate. Thanks. Thank you.
Celestial de Chão.